I believe that we are welcoming Gordon this morning, who's going to come and speak to us now. So, <laughs> should we give him a warm welcome? <laughs> Gordon, over to you. Thank you. Am I on? Yes. Yeah, controlled by Simon. So, if it, if it goes, if, it, if, I, if I stray into heresy or strange things or whatever, he can switch me off. So, <laughs> it's great to be get here, isn't it? To gather, getting back together again. And. Well, some of us uh, think it is. Um, so, <laughs> so I just want to just start with our story. And our story actually began 2,000 years ago. And it began 2,000 years ago in a part of the Roman Empire, um, in far from part of the Roman Empire, in Jerusalem, um, with a small group of Jewish people, part of the Jewish faith, and who, who were breaking away and forming their own, what would be called a sect. And they were claiming that their leader was the Messiah. And um, gradually over a period of time, they began to spread this message and form sort of congregations that were called churches. And they began to spread across the Roman, Roman Empire um, and way beyond the Jewish faith, People who weren't Jews began to, began to receive Jesus and become Christians. And these churches and these communities were formed. And at the same time, the, the leaders of this group um, began to uh, write scriptures that we call the New Testament that explained how church should be and what church should be like and how, what beliefs these, these churches should have. And eventually, within a generation, there were, there were communities, gathered communities of, these, of God's people, of the church, all throughout the Roman Empire. And about 200 years after that, some brave people, um, brave believers in Jesus, came to the island of Britannia, which was part of, which is what our, our land masses was called back then in, in, in Roman times. And there, they, there they, they, came in, they began to form congregations, churches in this country. And the people of this country at that time, they, they didn't have a Jewish background. They didn't know who this Jesus was. They didn't know who the Jewish Yahweh was. They didn't have that kind of background at all. They had um, sort of pagan, what we would call kind of new agey type, type beliefs and different gods and worship the moon and the sun and things like that. And these early believers, these early churches, they began to preach a message that demonstrated power, that, that their God was the real God. And eventually many people turned to Jesus in this land. And here we are, 2,000 years after that, or probably about 1,500 years after that, in Worcester, with a new generation of people who many of those have never really heard of the, of the, of the God Jesus. M many of those have very little concept of what, what Christianity is about. They have their own superstitions and beliefs or no beliefs or different, different kind of beliefs. And they're, they're looking for a new generation of church that's going to reach those people and impact them with the power of Jesus. And here we are, our little group here, um, emerging from, from COVID, 
<laughs> I've got like a picture of us as being almost like some of us like 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 little moles of, of, of coming out have been in hibern in a lockdown hibernation, sort of blinking, looking around at what 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 it's like. Some of us sort of hiding behind face masks, others raring to go, all a bit un, unsure of what this new church should look like. Really, you know, we'd, we'd had something that was very stable and secure for a long long period of time you know we felt quite comfortable in that not in a bad way it was good but we you know we knew what what to expect what it was like and here we are moving into this new building that we've dreamed of for many years but not quite moving in because it's not all finished and we've now instead of having one big congregation there are now three congregations and we're feeling our way a little bit and post-COVID, and I just want to just spend some time this morning just putting some foundations in from Scripture of what a church should look like. Yeah? Um, and, the, you know, we haven't got much time. They'll just be bullet points, but they're bullet points to get hold of and say, is that, are these points actually our priorities in terms of how we're building? Are they what we desire, what we're passionate about? Now, if you look at churches across this country, and I'm focusing on this country, you'll see all sorts of different ways that churches look, won't you? I mean, we, you know that. And I'm talking about churches that will all say that they base themselves on, on, on the Bible and believe the Bible. I'm not talking about other sorts of churches. And we'll have, you'll have some of them that you, if you went along there, they would probably resemble to some people something like a Victorian funeral service. To others, they look like a rock concert. You know, there are others that meet in granary buildings. There are some that meet in homes. There are some that meet in old traditional buildings. There are some that meet in great big modern warehouses. There are some that are huge congregations. There are some that are small. And they all look completely different, express themselves differently, often have different priorities in terms of what they think is really important. And yet they would all say they, they base themselves on the Bible. And I'm not here to knock any of them. I'm actually here to say to us, <laughs> before we start throwing stones, are our priorities in line with those? Now, the interesting thing about Scripture is that it doesn't talk much about those kind of things actually. It doesn't talk much about do you meet in an old building, a new building, a granary. Uh, it doesn't talk about how you order your service. Do you have someone anchoring it like Chris did this morning and on a keyboard or do you have a planned liturgy or not? It doesn't actually talk much about those sort of things at all. Um, even though they are very important to the way many churches including us would want to spend our time on. It actually uses a lot of imagery and actual pictures that says the church is like this. And I'm just going to fire some of these out to, to you guys this morning and actually say, are these values, are these images, how we are building hope and how we're going to do the 915 congregation? Um, and the first one is the, th the, the one that I did do two sessions on in, in lockdown, on, on, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that, that is, is the eternal city. That's that gathered community where Jesus is, is at the centre, demonstrating powers of the age that is to come. And my challenge is, is that, our, our, is that important to us? Is that one of our values? And, and, and we, we can look at that. 
The second one that I've got here is that one of the second image that I've got is that the, 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 it's described as Jesus is body and Jesus is the head. So the church is described as not just a body, because I think we often talk about a body. It's actually Jesus' body and Jesus is the, is, is the head. And that is a challenge. Is that our priority in terms of how we're trying to build what we're doing here? Because again, many, I've never actually heard a church say they don't believe that. But is that the practice of working that out? Is that, is that important to us? And one of the things it says about in 1 Corinthians where it talks about that particularly, it actually talks about that as a place where all people are honoured. Whoever they might be, whatever they might look like, they are honoured, particularly those that people would perceive as having less honour. And is that our value? Is that how we, we, we are? And, and the, some of the practicalities of that, as I was thinking about this, is, is that if you go to most organisations, and I'll stretch that way beyond church, they, you can often look at the DNA and culture and type of that organisation, and by looking at that, you can think, ah, those are the people they're bringing up to be the next leaders. Those are the people that they're going to value and honour because they kind of fit in. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they look the part. They look the, the type of thing. They've got, they've got the age profile. They've got the, the sort of person that they are. Again, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying it's an observation that you look. And you can often do that in churches. You can often go into a church, see the way the church looks and you can then if you're a bit perspective or whatever you can just think ah oh, that person that person they're going to be the ones that that are going to be, be be brought up to be the future leaders and they're the ones that are going to fit in they're the ones that are going to be at the, at, at the core and the other people you know they're welcome to come along and, and honored but they're not the ones that are going to be honored and and, and released and and, I'll, and that might sound harsh but it's a reality often isn't it and so my challenge to us is, rather than throwing stones at those sort of people, is, is our place, a place of where whoever we are, whatever we look like, however we fit, we, we, we're looking for, what, for everybody to be released into what Jesus has made them to be. And if you look at scripture, there's loads of people that wouldn't fit into the convention that, that came to um, be used mightily by God. How about Moses? for example. There he was, heading towards late middle age, re ready for retirement, had blown it years ago. So he was written off, he, he, he was past it, you know, there's all these young leaders all coming up, they're the ones that are going to be the future leaders to take the people into the next generation, to lead the people out. But no, God chose this guy Moses. He wouldn't, and I, I'm not sure that he would fit into the profile of who the next leaders are in many churches. Um, then, then you've got Gideon, guy battling with what we would call anxiety and worry and stress and stuff like that. God said, mighty warrior, and he, God used him, him, him mightily. And then you look at, at David, for example. David, a young teenage lad, um, his brothers were the ones that kind of met the profile of what the leaders of Israel should look like. There they were, they're the sort of guys that, 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 that you'd pick, that you'd want. But no, God picked David, who was just a young teenage lad, faithfully tending the sheep, doing a humble job. In the background, he was the one that God said, that's the guy I want to pick. And 
These people aren't obvious. You take, it takes the Holy Spirit to sort of reveal that. Um, then look at Jesus' motley crew that he picked. I mean, what an interesting leadership team that he picked. I'm saying if we had time, we could go through that lot, but they would not be the people that you'd think would form together into a nice, coherent leadership team that would all work together and all sort of fit, fit into the right mould. And yet they were the people that Jesus called to be the apostles that would pioneer this, these, this church forward. And, um, and I just feel that, that for us, it's, it's the thing where we need a, to, to challenge ourselves on, really, is, is are we releasing those people? Are we looking for everybody and saying, what's, what's God calling you to be? What's God made you to be? Yeah? Um, I'm going to just stick this one a second. We're running out of time, but I just want to just stick with it because I just feel the Holy Spirit wants us to really get hold of that and that be to be an important one. Um, my own story is, is that I was the sort of person that never ever kind of fitted in and gelled into the conventions of many churches that was at and I was I'd had a God had really called me when I was in my teens to serve him and um, and to be a prophet for him but then you know I'd spent 10 years doing nothing the leaders had told me I was deceived and I was sort of and I was in a church um, uh, you know, sitting on the back, helping a bit with the youth. I wasn't the best youth assistant helper. The only thing I knew how to do was to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and that didn't kind of fit with what the mould was when you're like taking youth out on trips and things like that. It just didn't fit. And so, you know, that, they were sitting, sitting at the back of the church, and there's a leadership change in our church, and. Uh, a, a, a new guy came to lead the church by the name of Dave Mansell, who was known as a, a prophet. And he, he came, his first introductory talk to the church, and he came and his first talk was, he said, um, he had a dream the night before. And in the dream, he saw every single member of the church pass in front of him. And when they passed in front of him in the dream, God showed him what their call was to be and what, who they were to be. And then they went on. He said, that's how I'm going to build the church. I'm going to do it by releasing everybody. And he said, there's three people today that I'm going to start with. The first one, sitting at the back over there, is Gordon Hazelton. And he just went and picked out and prophesied the stuff that God had spoke to me when I was 17. And, it, it, and I wasn't anything obvious. I don't think I'd ever shared a public prophecy in front of the church at all that I could remember before, at that point. There was nothing obvious. And I just want to encourage us as hope to do that, to be like that. And also the other thing about the body is it's where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are evident all the time within our meetings. Often you go to churches that have lip service of believing in it, but it's just, just really nice music and a, what, what you would call a good motivational talk afterwards. But actually the reality is, is that the, it says that the evidence of the Holy Spirit are those gifts. And I've been chatting to Richard about how we can actually, within this congregation, actually really work on that and hopefully see a reality of that. Because scripture says he doesn't, they don't want us to be ignorant of those gifts. And I think often we can be a little bit ignorant of how miracles work, how healing works, how prophecy works. And I, I just, I've got a dream to have us not ignorant of those in this congregation. That's what, if, if you want to say, what's my contribution that I want to bring, that would be it, uh, uh, is my desire. The, um, 
Next image that's given of, of, of church is, is, is a flock that's led by a good shepherd, which is Jesus. And are we a flock led by the good shepherd? Is that who we are? Is the shepherd leading us? Is this the one of the things it describes of when, when scripture uses this imagery is about it being a safe place? Is this a place where it's safe? I think so. I like to think so. But I think that's an important value for it to be a safe place where people are safe. Safe from all sorts of either spiritual abuse or other horrible things that might happen to people. Safe from false teaching. Safe from just safe. People feel safe. They know they're not going to be wounded here. They're not going to come in here and have people wound them. They're going to come in here and know that they're loved by a good shepherd and that those people that, that have been given leadership responsibilities are under the good shepherd and they're, they're not trying to fulfil their own ambitions but they're there to care for and nurture the sheep. And I just think, and, the, and there's an important aspect of that is that, that we ourselves have responsibility to say, are we sheep of this fold? Because to care, and I think being committed and being sheep who are committed is important. The other thing about the sheep is the shepherds are that the shepherds go and they look for the lost. Yeah, is that a priority to us, to look for the lost or just to keep ourselves safe in, to, in together? The other thing is it's about is it's a place where people are fed, well fed, fed by that it's spiritual food we're talking about, equipped and fed. And... Um, quite often it's quite funny as we're sort of moving out of lockdown and that sort of thing. You hear people talking about, oh, the sermons were too long before, Let, we want really short ones. And other people say, no, 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 we want, really, want to get the really long ones back again. In actual fact, do you know they're both the wrong question to actually ask? <laughs> do you know that they are? Because it's not, do we want fast food that doesn't sustain us? Or do we want a plate of really boring stodge? It's actually, are we hungry to be fed? That's not just the people delivering, but the people who are we hungry to say, I want to be fed, well fed, well, well equipped? Are we seeking out the food for ourselves? It says in the scripture that they that were led by, that were taught by the Lord, that the Holy Spirit reveals stuff to us. Are we seeking to be fed? The other interesting thing about those that, that taught in the New, New Testament, it says about Jesus, that he didn't teach like the Pharisees, who probably delivered boring stodge, from the scripture, but it said that he taught with authority. You know, people didn't mind listening to him because there was something different about the way that he taught. You know, if, if, if you know, I challenge myself when I share, is, am I teaching under his authority or am I just sort of delivering some little platitudes that I pulled out of the Bible? You know, Apostle Paul actually said, I'm not very, actually very good at talking. It's not my skill. You know, I'm not that eloquent, but what I do is rely on demonstrations and power of the Holy Spirit. Are we making room for demonstrations and power of the Holy Spirit? Are we just rattling through our programs and, and going home? And I just feel that, that God wants, the 9.15 is where we're part of here. Let's make this a place where, the, where we make room for demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. Whatever that looks like. I mean, that... Um, 
one of the things about the gift of the Spirit that I'm going back to is we're going to do a session of that on the School of Theology. And one of the things I've been looking at is, is actually there's order to it. It's not just random chaos. It says people came with their contributions. That's getting up in the morning or whatever that looks like and, and preparing what God's going to bring. There's spontaneity isn't always the same. Do you know what I mean? That, that can sometimes lead to chaos. It's just is, God, is the room for God to, to move, which leads to the next one, which I think is really important for us. And if I didn't get a chance for any others, this, this, is, this is one. Scripture describes the church as a house and the living stones coming together for dwelling for the Holy Spirit to live. We often think in our individualistic Western thing that the, the Holy Spirit lives in us as individuals, and there's a sense he is with us as individuals, but he actually, it's the gathered community coming together where the Spirit dwells in his fullness. So here's my challenge for it. We can give that as lip service, oh yeah, when we come together, Jesus is in the midst of us. Yeah, great, and, and, but where is he? Um, the, the, um, so, but here's, here's my challenge to us. Is our focus for how we're building this, because it's all, we're all feeling our way around and what it's going to like, first and foremost, our comfort and convenience, or at the other end of the spectrum, is it to make it all what people call seeker sensitive, as in it's, we want it to all be nice for new people to come in. And I'm not saying we, want, we don't want either of those things, because we do. But the, my challenge is is, is, is it first and foremost a place where the Holy Spirit feels at home? Where he himself feels welcome and comfortable amongst us? Does he feel comfortable here? Is he comfortable in what we're doing? Are we sensitive to him? Are we sensitive to him? I, I remember a guy called Dave Carr giving us story once. He leads a large church in Solihull, or did, he might have retired now. And he, he, he said that they focused on this kind of stuff. And he said that many a time, non-Christians who have got no concept of Jesus just come into their building and just burst into tears and just sense the love and presence of God and say, what's that? And then they explain the gospel with them. Wouldn't that be amazing that that, that was like that here? Yeah. So they're not focusing on, oh, making it so that it's all comfortable and nice, even though it's a beautiful building. <laughs> if you've been there and it is comfortable and nice, their focus is, 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 is this comfortable and nice for the, for the Holy Spirit. And... The final two, and then we'll, then we'll wrap up, is the final two is, is that, the, that the church is described as, as branches of a vine, where Jesus is the vine and the church are the branches. And as a place where the life and sap of the Holy Spirit just flows from Jesus amongst us. Yeah? Is it a place where the life of the Spirit flows or is it just a place that's lively? Because there's a big difference. A very big difference, and and one of the one of the ways of challenging that, one of the ways of identifying that, is there something that we do, or something that we that that we that we that we do? Is, is are we prepared to stop something if the life of the spirit isn't in it? Yeah, or will we just carry on flogging a dead horse? Now, there's a difference between the life of the spirit in something and persevering. I mean, and that takes sensitivity. <laughs> you know, it's not is it successful, but is the life of the spirit there? And would you know, 
would we be prepared to stop one of the Sunday mornings because, because we just, just, this is just dead, God's not in it? Well, I shouldn't say that. That's time silence. That's time silence. It switches me off. <laughs> but I remember going back to my friend Dave Manson. I talked about. He tells a story of, 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 of a church where everyone was all chatting and there's a life there and whatever. And then they started the started the service and it was just completely dead. And he stands right up with the man and he says, "Right, okay, would you just close in prayer because there's no life of the spirit here?" Do you know what I mean? And but would we would we do that? Because I believe that's part of being sensitive to the spirit. It's part of being there. Would we, you know, are we prepared to do that so that we're open for that? Um, and then the final one is that scripture describes the, the church as being Jesus' bride, a bride that he loves very much, that's really important to him, that's, getting, that's being prepared. And that's why the way we live together is really important. It isn't about having a set of rules that you kick people out if they don't follow them, but it's about, it's about actually other lifestyles that, that hurt Jesus. One of the, the, the biggest ones is where there's bitterness, division, unforgiveness, things like that. You know, they really hurt Jesus. He doesn't want his bride to be like that. He wants his bride to be a place where love flows, where there's true, genuine love amongst us. And I just want to just wrap those up right now because we've come to the end of our time and just say, are those our priorities? Is this a, it let hope be a community with Jesus at the centre and not just a community? Let hope be Jesus's body where all, all um, are honoured and are under his leadership and, f- and fulfilling what he wants them to do, not just a place where people try and fulfil their ambitions. Is this a flock led by the shepherd, where the shepherd is, not just, not just a, a gathering of people that like each other? Is this a place where Jesus lives and his presence is truly felt? Is that our priority for for 9.15 service, for us to be a place where the presence of Jesus is so tangible here that that after we've been, his presence lingers so strongly that, that how about this, that he's just, how about this, that the presence of Jesus lingers so strongly after our 9.15 that it hits the 11.15 as when they come in, yeah? And then the 11.15ers can hit the, the evening one. <laughs> How about that? End, end, end of talk. Uh, I don't have any prophecies. I don't have anything else. I just wanted to lay some foundations this morning. And then that's... Yeah. Thanks, Gordon. That is... Um, it's, I think that's a really good challenge for us as, as to how we do um, look to, to lead this congregation. But also, I think there's a responsibility for all of us on how we, how we look to take that and what Gordon shared and, and kind of what God has prompted us individually on from that this morning. Um, so, Gordon, thank you and, um, and we, um, much appreciated. But